today, the book of Jonah, chapter 2. And all these years of preaching, there's one sermon that uh, has been my wife's favorite, and it is from the book of Jonah. I'm not preaching that particular sermon today, but <laughs> I just want to use the verse here as a kind of a starting point, preaching a textual sermon. Uh, you know, the, the goodness of God, the protection of God is, is with us. Sometimes we're not aware of it. I, I was uh, driving up 221 yesterday morning, and I went around this curve and uh, met two cars side by side. One was passing another. And the road is made for two cars, not three. I, things like that happen so quickly. I still wonder how I got by that car or how we all got by each other. And, uh, you know, there's this sometimes, uh, uh, you know, it has to be the Lord looking after you. That uh, I think one of the things we'll have to thank God for is we get to heaven is all the things that, uh, that we were not aware of, the things that God had uh, done for us and along the way that uh, we were not even conscious of. But I thank God for his protection. I travel on the road a lot. And, and uh, God's so good to us in, in caring for us and looking after us. And I just wanted to acknowledge that and thank him. Uh, the book of Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. I want to speak to you the last phrase of verse 9. Salvation is of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, as I bow before you today, Lord, I do want to thank you for the Word of God and for another opportunity that you have given this side of eternity to preach your Word. And Lord, I realize without your power, that whatever I say will be meaningless, and I pray, O oh God, for your touch and your anointing. God, give me added strength. I pray that you would be glorified in this service. Speak to hearts that there be one unsaved. I pray for their salvation, and we that are saved, may we have a greater appreciation to that that you've done for us today. In Christ's name, amen. Salvation is of the Lord. Three days and nights in the bed of the whale convinced Jonah of this. I've said that uh, some of these preachers that don't believe this, I'd, uh, you know, if they spent three days and nights in the belly of a great fish, then I think they'd come out like Jonah believing the salvation is of the Lord. The only one that could help Jonah was the Lord. That was for sure. He was in a situation that God is the only one that could save him, and God did save him. Uh, from, uh, from that situation. He spoke to the fish and uh, made the fish sick, I guess, and it vomited out Jonah. And uh, quite a story. Of course, this is one of the stories of the Bible that is denied and, and laughed at by the liberals, but uh, it is acknowledged by Jesus Christ himself as a picture of, the death of his own death, burial, and resurrection. And it's a wonderful story in the Word of God. 
But I want us to think today uh, on the, the phrase, salvation is of the Lord. Now that's where you have to begin, believe in that. Uh, salvation from start to finish is of the Lord. The kind of salvation, the way of salvation, and the time of salvation. Now, uh, God doesn't have but one kind, just one kind to offer. And uh, in, in the world, you, people ask me why there's so many uh, different religions in the world. Uh, well, God doesn't have but one kind. That's it, just one kind. And we'll see that in uh, a little more detail. And, uh, but uh, these others, there's many man-made religions in the world. And uh, then uh, God has established the way of salvation. Uh, we find in Romans 10, 3 that uh, Paul writes there and said they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Uh, you know, that verse really spoke to me in a way that I had uh, never, never seen it before. Uh, it said they were trying to establish their own righteousness, righteousness and they were not submitted to the righteousness of God. And why was that? Because they were ignorant of God's righteousness. And in Hosea, 3 and verse 6, he said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And uh, I think the crying need of our day is, is a lack of knowledge. Why are, people, why are people confused? Why do people believe the things they believe? Uh, because they're ignorant of God's righteousness. They're ignorant. A lack of knowledge. And how true that is. So they developed their own ideas about uh, how to get to heaven. And then the time of salvation, God sets the time. There is a time of salvation. In Acts 24, 25, as Paul preached to Felix there, and he's a reason of righteousness, temperance, and, and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. What was he saying? He said, I'll get saved when I get ready. I'm not ready yet. And I believe Felix is in hell today. Because God's salvation is of the Lord. See, remember that. Salvation is of the Lord. And therefore, he establishes the time of salvation. And so, uh, we'd like to look... Uh, at the kind, a little more detail. This salvation of God of the Lord, uh, what's it like? Well, first of all, it's eternal. In Hebrews 5 and verse 9, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey him. Now that's the only kind God gives. <clears throat> People say, well, and I talk to people, they say, I ask, are you saved? I, well, I used to be. Well, if a salvation is not eternal, then it didn't come from God. Because that's the only kind, that's the only kind he, he gives, according to the Bible. He became the author of eternal salvation. 
Now, a person may sometimes may not realize it's eternal. Uh, there was a time in my life when I didn't realize that I had eternal salvation. I, uh, I didn't have a full understanding of it. And uh, I got back set on God and, and out of the will of God. And, and uh, I didn't know where I was saved or lost or, or what my situation was. Because I did not understand that when God saves you, He saves you forever. And uh, I was saved and I had eternal salvation, but I didn't fully comprehend what I had. And, uh, but that's the only kind God gives. That's the only kind He deals in is the eternal salvation. And there's many verses that, uh, that talk about this. Now, uh, He's never lost a person. A person may, may have thought they were lost, but God's never lost a one. Uh, he has a perfect record, 100%. Everybody that's ever, that God's ever saved is still saved, every one of them. And some may not realize what they've got. But, uh, you know, if God saved you, you're saved forever. You can't get out of it. <laughs> I don't know anyone want to. I never met anyone that wanted to say, well, I, you know, I wish I didn't have this. I'd like to get rid of it. If you get in, you're in to stay. If God saves you, he saved you forever. And you can't get rid of it. And you couldn't get unsaved if you wanted to. I, again, I don't know anyone's ever wanted to, but uh, if you wanted to be, to, you know, to get rid of it, you couldn't because it's eternal. In John 17, 12, those that thou gavest me I have kept and none of them is lost. That's a perfect record. And he goes on and talks about Judas there and people say, well, what about Judas Iscariot? Well, the Lord tells us, have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil? Judas never was saved. He didn't have the salvation of God. If he had had it, he would still have it. And uh, by the way, that included Peter. And Jesus prayed that prayer before Peter cussed and swore and said, I don't even know Jesus. And the Lord said, none of them's lost. None of them are lost. Peter did not lose his salvation. He certainly lost his testimony at that time. And he went out and wept bitterly in repentance. But uh, he didn't lose his salvation. So the salvation of God is eternal. Second of all, it's effective. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You say, well, you talk about eternal salvation, eternal security. Does that mean a person can be saved today and get drunk tomorrow and go to heaven? Well, I don't preach that. I would certainly seriously question the salvation of a person that did that. I doubt that they received the salvation that God gives. Very unlikely. The salvation of the Lord is effective. That means it changes your life. You're a new creature. You're not the same. In fact, I'm persuaded more than I have ever been that the only 
thing that will really change your life is the salvation of God. Now that will change your life. And people that get anything else, their life may change temporarily, but they always fall back into the same old sin. But when God saves you, you'll never be the same. Some of you, Brother Ollis there, I don't know how many years he's been saved. Many of you have been saved 50, you know, 40, 50, 60 years and still serving God, still faithful in the work of God. Now, how do you explain that? I'm persuaded the only thing that will give you that kind of uh, perseverance is, is the Lord. God is the only one that can do that for a person. We live in a world of sin and all the pressures upon a person to go away from God. This whole world system is not conducive to living right, is it? It's designed to, you know, to, to follow sin. So if you live for God, you're fighting an uphill battle every day of your life. And so salvation transforms you, makes you a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things uh, are become new. So when you get saved, you can expect your life to change because that's what's going to happen. When God does a work, He changes your life. He gives you a new life, new desires. He makes the difference. It's effective. And the people that I've seen, it's kind of like uh, uh, Mac Hodge, preacher I was saved, and was told a story of uh, a fellow that he met on the street and said he was really drunk, you know. And uh, he's coming down the street, and he recognized him. Oh, Brother Hodge. Preacher Hodge says, you remember me? said, you saved me uh, three or four years ago. He said, yeah, you look like one I saved. <laughs> said, the Lord, the Lord must not have done it. And there's a great, there's a great truth in that. I think there's some over the years that I've saved that's about all the gods what I what I done for. Maybe prayed a little prayer with them. And uh, but salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the heart. Salvation is not something you can do for yourself. It's not something some preacher can do for you. Some church can do for you. It's something only God can do. And when God does it, He does it from the inside out, and it changes your life. He don't just whitewash you, he washes you clean. It's effective, and then, not only that, but it's enjoyable. The real thing is enjoyable, you know. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, Christians don't act like they're enjoying their salvation. And I think sinners look and they say, if it makes you that miserable, I don't want it. But it's really, it's something you can enjoy. You can enjoy your salvation. 
And in Psalm 34 and verse 8, he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. He said, taste. That means try it. You'll like it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We ate uh, dinner down at uh, Joe's place last Sunday. And... Uh, or continue bringing out fish, you know, I'd never tried. Taste it. said, I want to bring you a piece of catfish. Uh, and uh, I like flounder and, and uh, baby shrimp. And, uh, but uh, they said, try this. It's, it's all right. Then they brought out some Cajun one. Of course, my wife, she likes that, she likes that uh, spicy uh, food, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, if you've, if you've never tried anything, you don't know where you like it or not, do you? It's kind of like uh, when you're growing up. Of course, some of you know I eat kind of strange, but uh, uh, when I was growing up, we had beans and taters and taters and beans and, and uh, like a variety. But, uh, you know, we, we were plain folks. We, we were country people, and we ate country food. And all these fancy dishes, I, I didn't learn to eat, so I... I just don't eat them today for the most part. But some foods, I've uh, the reason I don't eat them, I've never tried them. If I tasted them, I might like them. And some I have tasted and I don't like it. <laughs> uh, me and Bill there, we, uh, uh, Jello. I don't know how he survived, you know, this hospital stay. Because uh, they think that's the, you know, the ultimate health food to recovery. Is, uh, is jello. And uh, I can't stand that slimy stuff in my mouth. I just, <laughs> I just don't like it. It's not so much the taste of it, I just don't like the feel of it. <laughs> uh, but he survived, thank the Lord, uh, anyway. And, uh, but there's some things I just don't like. But the Bible said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm going to tell you, I've tried him, and he's good. Salvation's the best thing ever happened to me, and I've never, I've never met anyone that regretted getting saved. Have you? I've never seen anyone that said, "I wished I hadn't got saved. I don't like this. This is, this is not any good." But I've met many people. They come down to the end of the line, the end of the road. They, they say, "You know, if I could live my life over, I'd live it for God." You can't do that. And I've had people saved, and they said, the only regret I have is that I did not get saved when I was a young person and lived my whole life for God. It's enjoyable. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. The word blessed means happy. The Lord said if you get, if you get the Lord in your life, he'll bring happiness. Now, that don't mean everything goes good. I don't make that promise. God doesn't make that promise. If you get saved, all your problems will disappear and you'll have no trouble. God makes, makes no such promise. But he doesn't make the promise that he'll walk with us through the troubles <laughs> and he'll, 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 show us, he'll show us that there can be joy in the midst of the problem, in the midst of the storm. And I think that's what the Lord is teaching, trying to teach the disciples when he was out on the Sea of Galilee there and the storm come and, and he calmed the storm. The Lord was on the boat and the storm still came. 
but he calmed the storm. And he brought them through it. That's the thing. It's enjoyable. Psalm 84.10, For a day in my courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. What a comparison. He said one day with God's better than a thousand without God. Think of that. When you say one day in heaven is better than a thousand days in hell, one day with Christ is better than a thousand without him. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather stand at the door and open the door than to live for the devil. Now the world paints a picture and the devil paints a picture that, well, if you get saved, you're going to miss out on all the fun. That's just not so. You can have more fun serving God than you can serving the devil and you don't have the hangover. 1 Peter 1.8 said, You rejoice with joy unspeakable and, and full of glory. It's enjoyable. That's the kind of salvation. Do you have that salvation today? The eternal kind, the effective kind that changed your life forever and you're enjoying it? Then if you have that, you got that from God. And then the way of salvation. God has established the way the way is of God. Jonah 2, 9 there, salvation is of the Lord. John 10, 9 said, I am the door. John 14, 6 said, I am the way. At Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other way to get saved except through the Lord. No other way except through Christ. He said, I am the door. I am the way. Salvation is of the Lord. Now where does that put the masses of the world? It puts them lost. Are Muslims saved? No. Are Hindus saved? No. How would you like to believe in a religion of reincarnation that you keep coming back and coming back and coming back and bettering yourself each time you're upon this earth. How would you like to have a religion like that? What kind of hope is that? Who wants to, who wants to live knowing, knowing what you know about life? Would you like to go through it again? This is all there is to it. Would you like to, uh, you know... <laughs> The sickness and the problems that you may have had, you've had, and and if you haven't had, they're 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 coming. They'll be you know they're around the corner. How'd you like to do that over and over and over again, and and get sick and get old and die, and just do that over and over and over again? You think you'd like that? That's that's the Hindu religion. That's Shirley MacLaine religion. <laughs> But thank God we have something better, don't we? God says, I'm going to give you a life. When you, when you, I'm going to give you a new life and the next life. I'm going to put you in a body that'll never get sick and never get old and never die and live forever. And I'm going to give you a city 
where there's no sin and a city where there's no decay. God said, I've got something a whole lot better than what, you, what you've had here. I've got something 10 million times better. And aren't you glad he has? This is the salvation the Lord offers, and he offers it by grace. In Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. What is grace? Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's mercy. God gives us mercy and grace. Mercy, not getting what I deserve. I deserve hell. If God gave me what I deserve, I'd be in hell before the sun went down. I deserve hell. I know that absolutely without any shadow that I ought to go to hell. I know that. I can't understand people that think they, they don't deserve it. I do deserve it, but I got mercy. I receive mercy. And grace is getting something you don't deserve. The salvation of God, the kindness and love of God, the, the eternal life, the forgiveness of sin and all that goes with it. He saves us by grace. Now, how do we get grace? We get it through the gospel. In Romans 1, 16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's the power, the dynamo of God. We get our word dynamite from, from uh, that word, that Greek word. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's through the gospel that we're saved. In 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I declare unto you the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he says in verse 2, by which also ye are saved. We are saved through the gospel, through the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. That is the only hope of salvation is the basis of substitution. The wages of sin is death. God's not going to change that. Now either you die or you get someone to die for you. That's the choices. That's what salvation is. Someone died in my place. Somebody died for my sin. Somebody paid my debt. I can go to heaven. I don't, I'm a sinner. He, he's not the sinner. I'm the sinner. He that believeth on him is, he that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not the Son is condemned already. The sentence of death is on every sinner. But Jesus Christ died our substitute. That is the truth that is taught from Genesis to Revelation, the doctrine of substitution that we can go to heaven, we can be forgiven, we can have eternal life, we can live forever because somebody took our place. Now, if a person can simply understand the, the simple plan of the gospel, he'd get rid of all this works thing and I'm going to try to, I'm trying my best and I'm trying to do right and I'm, I'm, I'm working at it and all this, these other things that's going to keep multitudes out of heaven if they could just understand that sin has to be paid for. God's not going to pat a person on the back and say, 
You know, you, you tried. I'm, I'm going to let you on in. Come on in. You, you made an effort. God's not going to do that. He will not do that. He cannot do that. I don't care how hard a person tries. God cannot and will not do that. He's already established the law. If you sin, you're going to die. If you sin, you're going to go to hell. Now that's the facts. I don't care how good you try, I don't care what you do, won't be good enough. If you sin, the only way you can escape it is don't sin. And that's impossible, huh? Every last one of us are sinners. So that, that's, you know, that choice is not even a choice. We're all sinners. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. So the only way to get to heaven is to get that sin paid for. And that's what we do when we come to Christ. Salvation is of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Man, that is, that is marvelous. That gives me, that, that's assurance. That's why I know I'm saved. That's why I know I'm going to heaven. That's why I'm sure of it. Because it's of the Lord. If it depends on me, I, I can't ever be sure. I can't ever be certain. But if it depends on Him, then I have assurance. Ephesians 1.13, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel, of your salvation, in whom also after that you believe you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So, we're saved through God by grace through the gospel. Now the time. When does God tell us to be saved? You can search the Bible and you can't find anywhere in the Bible God says put it off and wait till another time. The time is today in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. Behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Felix made the mistake of putting it off. Felix said, I'll do it some other time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. I've had people tell me the same. Basically, well, I know. I've had people tell me, I'll get saved when I get ready. I'm not ready to get saved. When I get ready, I'll get saved when I do it. When I want to get saved, I'll get saved. No, that's not the way it works. The Lord establishes the time. But I'm reminded of some that did not have that opportunity. I remember years ago, I was pastor in Maiden. The church was full. Had wings on the church and they were full. There was a young man, 19-year-old, set on the front seat. Someone had invited him to the church, and I don't know how they got him on the front, but had a young preacher in that church, he had a way of doing it. <laughs> they got him right down the front row. Well, the message was brought. Others came. Others were saved. God was dealing with him. You know, you can, conviction is, dis, you can't hide it. It was so evident on him. And the man standing beside of him he told me, I noticed he spoke to him. This is what he told, told me. He asked him, he said, if you'll, if you'll go, if you, like, if you want to go, I'll go with you. This is what he told him. He said, he said, not today. I've got too much living to do. He did not come. He went away. 
As I remember right, about a month later, a few weeks later, I got a call. They asked me if I'd preach that young man's funeral. It's one of the hardest funerals I ever tried to conduct in my life. The last time I saw that young man, he was standing there during the invitation time under conviction. He was four, five, six steps away from the altar. But he said, I got too much living to do. He was drinking with his buddies. They went around a curve too fast, had an accident, and he went out into eternity. As far as I know, without God and without hope. He passed up his appointed time. He didn't listen. He, didn't, he thought he had plenty of time. After all, I'm 19. I'm healthy. I've got plenty of time. I don't have to get saved now. I'll get saved later. I want to party. I want to drink. I want to have fun. I want to sin. And when I'm through with all of my sinning, then I'm going to get saved and I'm going to go to heaven. It don't work that way. God don't do business that way. Hebrews 3, 7 says, Wherefore is the Holy Ghost said today, if you hear his voice. Then when the Father draws you, in John 6, 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. You can't be saved without conviction. And that's something we're missing in our day. We think we can do the job without the Lord. We've learned how to do it in our churches today. But I'll tell you, there ain't nobody going to get saved without a Holy Ghost conviction. They can make every profession, they can pray every little prayer that you can think of, but unless God the Holy Ghost deals with them, they're not going to get saved. And that's why we have today unchanged lives. I preached recently on the danger in being lost today and why I would hate to be lost. The possibility of being saved is not very good because there's not much conviction. And the old folks, they, they may not have learned uh, all, all the ins and outs and, and all the details about how to do it. But I'll tell you one thing. They realized that they needed the power of God and they needed the conviction of God to get the job done. And it's no different today. You, the job will not be done today or any day without the conviction of God. He said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. You have to be invited. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord says, I set the terms of it. And I'll tell you, when God saved me, I got under conviction. I don't know all the details. I was saved when I was 10. I don't know all the, the, the details about it, but I know one thing. I was under conviction. I'd go home in a revival meeting, and I was afraid to go to sleep. Afraid I'd die in my sleep and go to hell. I had it in my mind, I reckon, that, well, if I'm awake, then if I feel like I'm going to die, of course, I've never died, so I don't know how it feels, but you know how people think. I thought, well, if I, if I think I'm going to die, then I can, I can get saved right quick and I, before I die. And there's, I think there's lots of people that think that. And yet they've never died, so they don't know they'll probably be dead before they even have a chance to you know, to, to call on the Lord. But I had, had that in my mind and that conviction was on my heart. But the night God saved me, it's the one thing I remember. I don't remember all the details, but I remember this. 
God took all the fear away. He gave me peace. And I went home that night and went to sleep. And there's one thing I knew. It didn't make any difference if I lived or died. I was ready. The old account was settled. And I was saved. If you've been there, you know what it's like. But I'm glad God dealt with me. I'm glad I got on conviction. He drove me. He spoke to me. And to be saved, you have to be, you have to be asked to come. You have to be invited. And God invites you. And then while the door is still open, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. But listen, he's knocking, but you have to open the door. He doesn't open the door. You have to open it. That's what it says. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, you have to open the door. You have to let him in. He doesn't kick the door in. He doesn't knock it down. He knocks at the door. But you have to open. It's a personal decision that you and you alone have to make. In the book of Luke, in chapter 13, in verse 25, the Bible says, When once the master of the house is risen up, and that shut to the door, you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Then shall you begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thy is taught in our streets. And he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Now when the door is shut, it's too late. God is saying, I knocked at the door, and you want to open. He said, there'll come a time when you'll knock at my door and I won't open the door for you. You know, we're nearing the end of this dispensation, the grace of God. It's highly unlikely that you will die before the rapture. You may, but everybody in here has a very, a very good chance of being alive at the coming of the Lord. I believe that. And that's wonderful. Although, if you're saved, there's really nothing about death. Once you're dead, you know, the dying may be a problem, but once you're dead, there's nothing, absolutely nothing there to be afraid of or to bother you. Nothing. The Bible said it's a precious thing. But I believe we're going to be here when the Lord comes. Many of us will, I believe that. When the Lord comes, the door will be shut. The door of grace and opportunity for those that have had opportunity will be over. And what we need to do, we need to do now. We need to get the message out. We who know the way of salvation, Brother Jerry is talking about witnessing is not a choice. Witnessing is a command. The Lord didn't say if you feel like witnessing, witness. I suggest that you witness. It would be a good thing to do. The Lord told us to do it. And if we don't do it, therefore to him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not. To him it is sin. And there's never been a time when it's more important than today. 
Wednesday night we went have this list here. And I want you to pray because if you go and don't pray, you're not effective. If you pray and don't go, it won't be effective. You need to do both. Pray and go. Pray and witness. There's never been a time when it's more important. We may not have, you know, I don't know when the Lord's coming. Nobody knows exactly. We may have hours. We may have days, weeks, months, years. But the time is short. And we need to do everything in our power to win people to Christ. Father's yet time. Let's bow our heads, please.